0: When did things... Start to, go to go wrong, like...
1: Unfortunately, the people that I got into the rental didn't actually end up paying any rent. And I did call the police, and I tried to make a complaint about uh, theft and fraud and false pretenses. I mean, they lied on their application, they faked their references. I also reported that one of them gave me death threats uh, once in July and once at the hearing in September. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I feel
2: like just over that. When I was broke, had rich habits, I was broke, I All right, welcome
0: was to the Master Keys podcast. As always, I'm Chandler Halliburton. I'm Neil Andrino. And we are Atlantic Canada's number one real estate investing podcast for Atlantic Canada. Did yeah. I say that twice? No, you didn't. Okay, right. I thought I said Atlantic Canada's <laughs> number one. I thought I said Atlantic Canada's number one real estate investing podcast in Atlantic Canada. is <laughs> pretty fired up that we're number one. Do we have any competition? I mean, <laughs> uh, hey. Hey, they don't ask how. So. Just ask how many. Is that right? I don't know. I don't know. We're but still number one. Whatever. Anyways,
2: we are real estate investors ourselves. We have about 200 units between the two of us, uh, and then we're also real estate agents doing probably around four or five hundred million dollars in transactions. Um, and we try and just talk about things that are concerning to people who invest in real estate. Hopefully, some tips and tricks. Uh, bring on guests that can be helpful, uh, and kind of just go over everything investing and. In, in, Getting into real estate.
0: Yeah, and we have a super exciting guest here today. It's been a while since we had a guest, so we're back in our original, or not quite original, our old studio setup here because we have a guest. And I know a lot of you guys are landlords um, a lot of our audience is landlord, obviously. And, and yeah. we cover a lot of issues facing landlords here in our province, but also nationwide and across North America. And today we have Patricia Salan, uh, who is a landlord who some of you may have recently read about because, unfortunately, she has been in the news a little bit. Uh, Neil Not can relate to that. same reasons for me as I am. Yeah? Like, uh, so, uh, and I immediately, when I read your story... Um, sympathize and, I, and I, I totally understood and I thought it was so great um, how you were kind of advocating for your position. So welcome, Patricia. Thank you. So, um, right off the hop, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Uh, sure. Yeah. So I am actually a psychiatry resident as my full-time job. Uh, I moved here from Vancouver where I completed medical school and I'm here to do my post-grad training.
0: All right. So I didn't hear anything in there about being a professional landlord. That's not your, uh,
1: no, I don't really consider that to be my main job. That's just something that I picked up on the side and, uh, uh, I'm, I'm pretty fresh to it and learned the hard way that I need to be a lot more careful about how I screen my tenants.
0: Yeah.
2: School of hard knocks. I think we've both had that as well. Um, but you're in a bit more of a precarious situation i would say than we have been
0: yeah i think everyone always has that romantic thing like i'm going to be the best landlord ever i know i had that and then someone wrongs you and it just hurts your soul <laughs> and eventually it's slowly like, I'm like am i getting jaded and you do get a little bit jaded because sadly you go through this process not everyone um is as upfront and ethical uh in their dealings and it sounds like that's kind of um Uh, part of what you've gone through. But let's start at the beginning. So you moved here in 2018, you said, to kind of start your medical training. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, the property that you purchased and why you decided to buy it? The one in question.
1: Uh, Well, I purchased a property in Dartmouth just across the bridge on 7 Jameson, So uh,
0: downtown Dartmouth, that's my neck of the woods. Love it. (laughs) Pretty much downtown
1: Dartmouth, yeah. And uh, the reason I purchased it is it just seemed like a good investment. And uh, I thought that it would be a great way to bring in some investment income. So most people who finish medical training have huge lines of credit. So I thought that this yep. could help me pay down that line of credit and that it would be a smart investment choice. And unfortunately the people that I got into the rental didn't actually end up paying any rent.
2: I see. I see. Yeah. So how did you find the it? Uh,
1: so I advertised on Kijiji and Facebook and had an application for people to fill out. I looked at their references and called up their references. Um, and I, I did have that dream of being the best possible landlord. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to help the people who seemed like they needed the most. So there was a section on my application for, um, if there's anything else that would be good for me to know. And I tried to help the people who had a story. Right. And so these, um, so there were a few applications that I looked through and, uh, I um, asked people for credit checks, and this particular couple that I ended up going with, they said that they don't have good credit because they made mistakes in their 20s, and they're trying to improve that. So I thought, okay, people make mistakes. It's okay to, you know, own up to that and come back from that. Um, So I gave them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, And when I called their references, all their references seemed great. They were really positive.
0: So since then, have you um, val- validated those references? Were those real references?
1: No, they were not real references. Yeah, okay. Those they were. It was just completely fake. I ended up yeah. finding real landlords of theirs who had been wronged and the dates did not line up. And I realized, mm-hmm. oh, those references they gave me were just friends.
0: Yeah, this was a, a full on operation.
2: I yeah. just want to say that I resonate with this whole story a lot because this is my exact first rental story. I had the exact same thing. Yeah, that's true. I had a couple really? of in. Yeah. Yeah. They gave me all the checks. It bounced. Um, same deal. When they moved in, they had some credit problems. Uh, I gave them benefit of the doubt. They moved in because it was super great for their family. And they p- checks bounced right off the hop. Uh, and then it just went through this process of, like, chasing them around, going through tenancy, and they would not leave.
0: And when they finally did leave, they took the appliances with them on the way out the door. Uh, I love that story because they <laughs> took the appliances. Because the appliance – I told Neil, I go – and it was like, yeah, it was so weird. They took the appliances, I'm like, yeah, because they sell the appliances, and then that's their deposit on the next place, oh, yeah. right? Like, and yeah. and I've been in this a long time, and I've likewise, you know, had situations. And every time that I look back, every time that I've been, you know, wronged or taken advantage of or, or lost money on on a tenant, uh, and there's been some pretty extreme cases. Every time I made an error in judgment, but every time it was me being what I would now say like too soft or too lenient or too accommodating or trying to, you know, do something that like ultimately just blows up in my face. Like you hate to say no good deed goes unpunished, but that's kind of the, the scenario that it sounds like you found yourself in because everything you were talking about your application process, I'm like, no, no, not that. Don't do that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give them that benefit. And that's just because sadly I'm jaded and it's really unfortunate. And one of the things we're going to talk about all of this today, but, The reason we need a stronger tenancy board and stronger accountability for tenants is because now it's a situation like now you feel a certain way about future applicants potentially. And I I, I hear this story, I'm like, oh my gosh, I better not give anyone the benefit of the doubt ever because it blows up in your face. Mm -hmm. And and there are phenomenal people out there that have bruised credit for all kinds of reasons and they very much deserve uh, a reasonable opportunity to be approved for a rental. But because... There's no way to track, you know, who's been a quality tenant and who hasn't. Um, You have to err on the side of caution. And more often than not, that means not giving someone the benefit of the doubt. It just it just does. And it, it's super sad. But that comes back to the tenancy board as well, which we're going to get into a little more later. But
2: yeah, I, I can second that. I feel like I've lost my shirt 90 percent of the time I've done it. But when you start, it just seems like the right thing to do. Like you're mm-hmm. being nice to somebody like at the end of the day. So it sucks. That that's how it becomes. But I, I get where you're at uh, with it.
0: Yeah. Prior to this, though. Well, and I guess we kind of touch on that. Like what was your perception about being a landlord? Like did you, you had this rose colored glasses a little bit or what?
1: Yeah, I actually didn't know that there was uh, such a bad reputation for landlords in general. Like I thought that landlords (laughs) Ah, were just, (laughs) 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 I actually, uh, I just thought it was like a reasonable small business to start. I had every intention of being uh, a really proactive and helpful landlord. And so I thought to myself that if something gets damaged, I'm going to fix it right away. And I thought I would probably give these people like an annual anniversary gift or something like that. Like I had this romanticized view of, it that I would be um, just a really nice landlord where people would say she's great I love my landlord and I wanted to (laughs) be good for people Uh, and now it's kind of like I understand when when I hear stories about landlords who just kind of take a step back and they don't they're not as invested because it's like well when you get screwed over like this when you're trying to be a good person then Mm -hmm. it it takes some of the heart out of it
2: you become jaded over time yeah it seems I yeah, I can say this with so many things, with business in general, uh, and where there's money transferring between, whether it be a client or even through businesses, there's you can do nothing for anyone. They will ultimately do something negative towards you, I feel like, well, almost I think always, not every time, but almost always.
0: Yeah, but a lot of what you're talking about, too, is just the overwhelming public sentiment of just being a landlord inherently makes you bad. Um, even if this had gone smoothly <laughs> and you did have that great relationship with your tenant, there there'd many, be people out there that'd be like, landlord. yeah, but you're a landlord, so uh, that makes you a bad person, which... Um, you know, that that's the other thing you learn when, when you do this. Stuff.
2: Question for you, going back for a sec. How did you find the previous landlords or did they reach out off of the news articles?
1: Uh, I actually found previous landlords on a Facebook landlords group. So I joined that landlords group only after these checks bounced from these tenants yeah. and uh, they... I I was thinking, what is going on? I need to figure something out. I joined the group just to kind of get ideas and get some help. And that's when uh, when I posted something asking people, what do I do in this situation? Someone said, look up their name in this group. And that's when I saw, oh, there's been other people who said, don't rent to these people. So
0: do you remember, and you may not have been involved enough at the time to have known this, like those Facebook groups got really attacked in the media because people were exchanging these lists of, kind of tenants that they had had a bad experience with that people thought this was the worst thing possible <laughs> that people were k- tracking records of bad tenants and that violates the tenants rights and all this stuff. And I understand it's a gray area for privacy reasons, but oh my gosh, these are borderline like post-traumatic self-help groups, if you will, yeah. like of people being like, Oh my gosh, like this traumatic thing has happened to me and I need a community to support me through it. And that's what some of those Facebook groups are. Um, And that's so crazy because if you had gone on there before, like you would have avoided all this because you could have just searched their name.
1: Exactly. Um, And that
0: is a, a basically a DIY piecemeal together tenant registry, which I've always said, I am absolutely in favor of a landlord registry provided. It also includes a tenant registry. Everyone like, because everyone needs to be counted. But again, that's going to be more the second part of our, our, our interview, but it's, it's
2: crazy that, like, on a side note, that you can miss like a twenty dollars payment and have your credit score dinged and the company's name and everything's on there, but you can miss like five ten thousand dollars in rent, nothing. That's one that I'm like,
0: no, I mean, it, it's crazy that you could, uh, you know, walk up on the street, grab someone's purse that has a hundred bucks in it, go to and jail. you go to jail. Yeah, you know, but you can take a thousand bucks from someone and it's like, it's a dispute. It's yeah. just it's just a dispute between yeah. two people. <laughs> You'll have to go take a ticket here at the DMV and and yeah. talk about your feelings and your dispute. <laughs> like ugh. anyway, okay. Okay. Um tell us in short like what the dispute actually focused on. Like so or, or like how, how it actually evolved. You know, you approved them. Maybe in hindsight could have done a bit more diligence or at least maybe not even like you you did diligence. You called the people they put as reference. So I don't really know necessarily what you would have done differently, except I would have been like, bad credit, no chance. That's just me where I'm at personally now, unfortunately. <laughs> but, but when did things kind of like start to go wrong? Like, how did you know something was was going bad?
1: Well, actually, the day that I met them, so this is where I made a mistake, is that I didn't do viewings. I was actually on my way to go visit family in Vancouver, so I didn't do viewings to a lot of different people in order to get a feel for different people. So all I did was I vetted people through email and through calling references, and then I met them the day that I said, let's meet and sign the lease. And when I met them, I had this weird vibe about them, and Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to make of it, and I said to myself, like, maybe I'm just being... Anxious for all sorts of reasons. Uh, and so I just kind of dismissed myself, which is unfortunate um, because that vibe, I think, was my intuition telling me something is wrong. Don't mm-hmm. rent to these people. Right. But there was a weird vibe. And then five days later, the checks they gave me for the damage deposit and first month's rent, they bounced. And I just knew instantly that's what that vibe was. Something right. is wrong. So I had a feeling right away, uh, And but I did try to talk with them about it. And I said, what happened here? Like, is it that maybe, um, you know, is this a mistake? Are you gonna fix it? Are you gonna send the rent uh, soon? And of course, at first they said that uh, they had some excuse about car insurance was taken out. And uh, they said something about, you um, we about buried. like a family member had died and all sorts of excuses. Yeah. Uh, they really played the empathy card yeah. and, uh, and said that they would pay. And a couple weeks later, uh, so I, I did uh, pretty quickly, though, I, I sent um, the form D, which is the form that says pay in 15 days or vacate. Mm-hmm. And when that form expired uh, the, on the deadline, they sent me a screenshot of the form K and said, you have to do this now, which is the screenshot that you have to, the the form K is what you apply for, when you want to get an order for someone mm-hmm. to leave yeah. so that was pretty clear they were not planning on leaving they once sent the, you form- the form k they sent me the form k they said yeah. you have to do Holy this bold. now God. right yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> they also professional tenants like they know yep. they, they know. know the game listen like this yeah. is
0: not- you ask if you took a survey of 20 landlords across the city they would not be able to immediately tell you what a form k is uh so the fact that this tenant had it like already in their saved images or their downloaded pdfs like here you go. This have, is like, step PDF with the steps. Yeah. yeah. So which means like you're going to a hearing and they just know that that just buys yeah. them time. That's just buys yeah. them
1: time. All yeah. credit to her. She was helping me. She was like, this is what you got to do next. So oh my God. <laughs> she knows the system and she, yeah, the, the female cool. tenant. Yeah. She, it was almost like she was smugly laughing at me. Like the form yeah, D expired Here's what you got to do next. That's a
2: screw you. That's a screw you text.
1: Jesus. Yeah, pretty much.
2: I, I want to go back to one thing you said. The weird vibe. I literally tell this to everyone that I sell a rental property to. They're like, like what should I look for in a tent? I'm like, if you're there and it feels kind of sketch or a little bit off-brand, mm-hmm. just don't go with it. Because a lot of times they're in their best like place when they come to look at a unit because they're trying to present themselves. Oh, yeah. So just assume if you're getting a kind of a bad vibe then, it's going to be 50 times worse once they actually move into your apartment. 100%. So, yeah. Like again, but I learned that by having this exact same situation where I had a bad vibe, but they just had a good story, so I went with it. And then like I should have gone with the bad vibe. Like I knew yeah. something was off, but I only figured that out once mine weren't as bold to send me the form K, but they they'd never send mm. any rent. Oh
1: so. uh, yeah, good vibes only.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Good vibes yeah. only part of the application. Do you have good vibes? Don't come <laughs> to the showing if you don't.
0: Yeah. But. Yeah, no, it's so funny. I remember one of the ones I had such a bad vibe about. Uh, this person and like also with their references, I'm like I, mean, I don't know if I believe that this is who they say they are, right? That I'm calling this on it that doesn't quite check out, and so I insisted on viewing their current apartment.
1: Oh wow, like, that's what? a just, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good department.
0: idea. And they're like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, like <laughs> we're gonna do this. I'll, I'll meet you at your current apartment. You we're having me dinner." Your <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's like, "Oh well, that if that's not your current apartment, how come you gave me that person as a landlord?" Right? Like, so that doesn't jive. And, and then she just, like, just dis- disappeared. Yeah, at that point, um, no. But that was another situation where, again, someone had a sad story. and But I'm like, Ugh, I'm going to, you know, trust but verify, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, so you, you yeah. had a little bit of experience there with the Tennessee board.
2: Yeah, so now you get your form K image. What's the next step? Did you go through the process of filing that form K.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. And so I applied for the form K and I, uh, it took three weeks to get the order. And once I got the order, it gave the tenants another two weeks to vacate. So that was frustrating because this was already after they hadn't paid rent for a good couple weeks and the form D had expired. Yeah. yeah, you're more,
0: you're, you're eight weeks at that point. Yeah,
1: yeah and, and so I was just, I was shocked that it would take that long to remove people who hadn't paid from the beginning. When I called the tenancy board as soon as the checks bounced, um, I said, like, this makes the, the lease null, right? And they, uh-huh. they some uh-huh. the person I talked to oh, wasn't even sure. And he went and he called uh-huh. a supervisor. And he was like, so apparently you can be late on the first month's rent, which is news to me. And I was like, that's news to me, too. That sounds bizarre. <laughs> yep, like, I crazy. think that... It, Get that it,
0: first month in cash or e-transfer. Yeah,
1: yeah, any other contract, if you don't meet the terms of the contract at the beginning... It's null from the beginning, but not in tendencies, apparently.
0: Yeah. No, and you're not late until you're two weeks late, which means you're not actually late until the 15th of the month if rent is due on the first, which yeah. is another thing. Like, what do you mean? Like, they, they paid on the second, the third, the fourth. Oh, no, that's not really late. That's, like, kind of late, but it doesn't quite count. Like, you can't serve them notice until, like, it's, it's, it's quite obscure. Um, so this must have been a bit of a learning curve. Like, you know, was this your first time kind of dealing with the tenancy board and and figuring all this stuff out? Because it's also really complicated. And for someone who isn't a professional landlord to go through and try to rifle through these forms and figure like, well, what are my next steps? And then you kind of alluded to it there. You call the tenancy board. They don't always seem to know the answer either. They don't. And depending (laughs) on the person you get, some of them are very good. They're very understanding. They're very helpful. I'm not going to dump all over them. Some of the others, less so. I guess I would just say I was going to
2: say that I shouldn't be saying this, but the sentiment in the tenancy board. Well, it's for tenants. It's it's not for landlords. Like that's I Uh, I don't agree with that entirely. I don't don't agree with that that entirely. There's a few in there that I think are reasonable, but I do think a lot of them are opposed to landlords. Just listening to them, we've been to meetings before where people have come to represent the tenancy board, and they are pretty much outwardly speaking to a group of people against landlords. From and they work at the tenancy board and they're representing the tenancy board like. I don't find that they're super apt in that sense. The other thing that frustrates me at no end with tenancy is if you have one little typo on an entire set of forms, the whole thing's no. Like, if you picked one wrong, they're not super, super straightforward, the forms. And if you make one little screw up, like, oh, the whole thing's garbage. And you're like, so I've already delivered the form K. I've gone through the whole process. We understand the main thing is they're not paying rent, so they don't deserve deserve to live in this house. And like, yeah, well, you made uh, one typo on, like, the date that they moved in or something and like so it's garbage and I'm like are you kidding me right now like this is and so you have to start the whole process all over again that one drives me bananas yeah i heard
1: that a bunch too and they they warned me and i actually initially had a form d that was a little bit incorrect and i was told that i should just restart it because it wouldn't get approved at the next step of the process so i us more time yeah so i ended up um so i i guess they bought themselves like five more days because i realized five days later oh Mm -hmm. i needed to fix this little typo but it just Mm -hmm. blows my mind that that's what would get somebody more free rent instead of at the next step of the process saying, oh, there's a typo. Let's correct the typo and move
0: on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like what's the spirit of the legislation, not the, the letter of it. Exactly the spirit. Yeah. Um, so how did that work? So, so you, file, you f- uh, filed the form, K, which gave them effectively, it took three weeks and you said, and then they had two weeks to move? Yeah. And did they move? Did that go fine?
1: No, they didn't, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, about a, a couple days before they were supposed to move out, and I really hoped that they weren't going to move out, but a couple days before they appealed it. So... Uh, yep. and that took us to small and I claims known court that too because
0: that's the thing people are like oh and i went to the tenancy board and i won all they they have 2 weeks i think if i recall correctly to appeal the decision of the tenancy board and from there it goes to Small Claims Court. Small Claims Court. And it takes a little while to get a hearing at Small Claims Court. Like, I've been down there Have you ever been to Small Claims Court? Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I have yeah. not
2: personally, but i um, people
0: go And I'm like, me. what do you mean? But, like, the whole tenancy board, like, everyone tells me no matter what happens, oh, this is a tenancy board issue. You try to get the cops, oh, this is a tenancy board. And then you find out that the tenancy board Ultimately like has no power because anyone can just appeal their decision and then you actually have to go in front of a judge. How long did that take?
1: Uh, Well, that actually was pretty quick. It was only about uh, a week and a half to get into the first hearing, but that was a pre-hearing and I, I gotta say, I'm not sure the, the adjudicator at that point, he said that he can't dismiss it at that point and it has to go on to the next level, but I'm not too sure if that's really true. I think Mm -hmm. that he just didn't want to dismiss it. And I, that night I heard case after case where he, where there were people who were saying sob stories that didn't sound reasonable to me and that had nothing to do with the rental issue itself. Yeah. Uh, like people saying, Oh, you know, we haven't paid rent in three months, but she's dying of cancer. And it's like, is she though? I mean, I don't understand that these, like, is there proof yeah. because if you can say anything and that doesn't mean that it's true, you need to show proof of that. Uh, and he just kind of accepted things at face value and just gave people, uh, allowed all sorts of things. And then I was, uh, Told, okay, you have to go to an actual hearing because this was just a pre-hearing where we talk about um, how many witnesses you need or how long the hearing is going to take. Yeah. Then we had the actual hearing about two weeks later.
0: So now you're at uh, another three and a half weeks after. So now you're approaching 12 weeks.
1: Uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. it was at the end of August that we had the actual hearing.
0: Gotcha. And when That's was their move work. in date? Clever.
1: They actually moved in at the start of June. So, so this is
0: July end of yeah. August. Yeah. You're, you're, you're oh, almost sorry. three months in. Yeah. yeah. And they haven't paid a dime at this point.
1: No, they had not paid a dime. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. Ah. So at this point now you're going to small claims. What happened there and what was the decision at the, at the end of that?
1: Well, when I went to small claims court, they didn't show up. And they told mm-hmm. me that they weren't going to show up. The day that she served me the appeal, <laughs> she said. <laughs>
0: yeah, we ain't going to see it there. Yeah. But, yeah. but they know the process because they know, like, we're going to lose. But, like, we're going to file this so we get an additional amount of time. And we just can no-show it. And
1: yeah. yeah. It actually said right on her appeal, it said we have no place to go until September 1st. So, okay, so that implies that you have somewhere to go until September. Mm-hmm. You have somewhere to go on September 1st. So on August 10th, which is your order of eviction that you don't want to leave then because you need a couple more weeks. And that's why she appealed, basically. was So our hearing was August 31st, and she didn't show up to that because she didn't need to. She had a place to go the next day. She moved. She started moving out the next day.
0: No way. So June, July, August, got three months uh, in total. Um, so what What were the damages you were awarded?
1: So unfortunately, when it came to... Uh, uh, Damages and the total amount of rent when I applied for a hearing to get all the rental arrears This was back on July 5th, and they told me that I, I couldn't get a hearing until September 14th So I put on my application. Okay Well, I want to talk at that hearing about uh, all the arrears because I know they're not gonna leave um, before um, be, They're not gonna leave right away and also I want to talk about damages because I'm expecting there will be damages so I, um, I got the hearing, and when I went to the hearing on September 14th, he said, well, you didn't list what the damages were back in July, so all we can talk about is the amount of rent for the time that, she continued, that the squatters continued to stay there.
0: So that was a second kind of application, yeah. separate to getting vacant possession. The other one was getting damages. Yeah. And when you say that hearing, was that another tenancy board hearing on September yeah. 4th? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's two processes. There's the form K, which is that you can have someone evicted just for not paying rent. And there's a the form J, which is any other issues. Dispute, yeah. yeah. And so the form J, that's what I applied for on July 5th. And that's the hearing I got on September 14th. Whereas the form K is a bit faster to mm-hmm. just remove someone who isn't yeah. paying.
0: Yeah. That's important for people to, to understand they're listening for this. Um, It's it's, it's different processes. Yeah, here in Nova Scotia to get someone out. And then separately, you have to file for misrents and things like that. And it is tricky because you're filling it out on... You know, July. and You're like, I don't know what they're going to do between July and September. Say, this exactly. Is the thing. Right. Like, you have to
2: refile come September. Yeah, that's what they you- told me. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So, so if yeah,
1: I want to get damages, then I have to refile. Apparently. Now, I did get an order for the rent for from June, July, August, and a couple days of September until they moved out. Did so you, get,
0: you got that at that September hearing?
1: Yeah. yeah. So they. So I have an order they, uh, for 5,500 in rent. Uh, and in terms of the damages, I submitted a 59-page document with tons of photos uh, before and afters, um, witnesses who said that they saw the place, um, when I bought it and when it was in great condition versus they saw it afterwards and the condition it was in. And so, and, and I also listed all of my costs and it came up to close to $9,000 and, uh, it didn't matter that I submitted this 59 page document. Uh, the tenancy officer still said, no, you have to file again because back in July, you didn't list what the damages were. You have to file again to do one that lists the damages on the application. So uh, all I got so far was the rental, um, the 5,500 order, and I don't have an order for damages. And at this point, I'm not sure if I should bother, to be honest, because I don't know if I'll ever mm-hmm. see that 5,500. You, yeah,
0: you, no. yeah. <laughs> you, you won't. Yeah. You won't. you zero here. So yeah, yeah. Like, so... Um, there's a couple things you can do. And, and so I, I went. So up, I right? went down, down this going. rabbit hole. Um and at the time I did it with this individual, uh, gosh, I guess I had to do this twice. Um I at small claims, the judge enforced the order of one vacant possession, but also that, yeah, you owe this guy fifty five hundred bucks. Right. And I was like, Great, I had this little piece of paper. I think it was yellow. Like I remember it being yellow. <laughs> Basically, like, you win. Here's your ticket, you win. And I go and I go. How do I get this? And he just looks at me and goes, good luck with that. <laughs> and so I looked into it, and people like, oh, look, a, a sheriff just goes and, like, you garnish their wages at their employment. It's, it's that easy. You cannot garnish wages below a minimum income amount. So, and that is also based on how many dependents the person has. So in this case, it was a single mother of two kids who I think worked part-time at a minimum wage job. So she would never... Make an amount high enough that I could garnish any wages, um, it, like for the foreseeable future. Like unless her her situation dramatically changed, and then I could maybe start garnishing fifty dollars a paycheck until the whole amount was paid. Um, the other thing you can do, and I can't remember what this is called, but you can effectively lien their person, meaning um, there would be this outstanding credit item on their personal. Um, application so that if ever they were to better their station and wanted to say, get a mortgage or get a car lease or something like that, they could be jammed up because there'd be this order it's like, oh, we can't approve you for that until you pay off this debt. Um, but again, oftentimes you're dealing with individuals who aren't going to make enough uh, income to ever garnish their wages and aren't going to improve their station to the point that, you know, they would be in the future, be able to pay you this $5,000 so that they can go buy in the house. And then I started thinking like, oh my gosh, you know, if this Single parent of two did get their credit up, and you know did get a good job, and was turning their life around and about to buy a house. Is that when I want like seven years to sw- from now to like swoop in and be like, ah ah, ah. <laughs> like now that you're getting back on the on you know the right track, I'm gonna try to like. And so I just ate it. And <clears throat> yeah. another time it was like nine grand. I think everyone does And I freaking ate it, man. Yeah. I ate it and I just like you know what I learned like what the signs did I miss renting to these. To individuals and um, th- these tenants yeah. know that you're going to eat it and they know
2: everyone's Ugh. going to because everyone just like buffers in like a bad debt factor and then no, I didn't think
1: about that like my line of credit debt just went up and I didn't know yeah. that that was supposed yeah, to buffer no, that in but now real, I know it's,
0: real debt, for you right now, <laughs> it's yeah. real debt for me yeah so so, so where does that stand where, where does it stand about this? You know, I think it was 5,500 bucks, give or take in, lo- in missed rent and some damages. Like where's your head at on trying to pursue those right now?
1: Uh, well, I guess I may as well turn it into a court order. So I'm going to be doing that soon. Um, and uh, so that just means that I have to ask the tenancy officer to apply to the court, to turn it into a court order. And then mm-hmm. I can take it to the sheriff. But the yeah. question is, is it worth it? Because the sheriff costs $200 to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't know if it's worth me spending $200 to try to get money that I don't think I'll ever get. And the reason I think that is because I actually have been in touch with one of their previous landlords who, um, they screwed her over for six months in 2021 and I have been helping her out. I've been like, this is where they live. This is the job that I know they have now. This is this and that. And I've been trying to help her like as they were, while they were leeching off of me, I thought I may as well help the last landlord or one of the last landlords who she had an order. She had the share. She was ready to go. And so she uh, she did call up the sheriff and she gave all that information and she started garnishing wages. And shortly after uh, both of them, the two tenants got served about their wages being garnished. They quit their jobs. So it was, so and, and instead of
2: paying the bill, they're just going to quit their jobs. Like, wow. Yeah. Instead of paying this person for what I rightfully took from them, I would rather they, just have no money. They yeah.
0: can't garnish too much, right? Like, so they would probably be garnishing uh, again. It would have like been 50 like 50 bucks or 100 bucks or something. From the two of them, like 100 bucks a paycheck, and like, nope. Yeah. Not worth it.
2: They just absolutely will not pay for living expenses. Like they're like, that. this is one thing I refuse to pay for is the house that Shaper. I live in.
1: Yeah, it's just the sense of entitlement that housing should be free. And I understand people saying that housing is a human right. And sure, everybody needs shelter. But we also all need food and we still have to pay for food. Totally. So it's...
2: yep. Y- Maybe take it up with like CRA instead of like your local landlord. But, but but
0: also like there are programs um, through which... Individuals that need housing subsidies or or um, support can get that through the proper channels. But they're all reliant on you also getting paid, right? So, yeah. you know, I've had uh, situations where I've basically had a liaison with community services. Like, okay, community services pays me directly for their rent, right? So that person is having um, their shelter provided for them but I'm still paying, getting paid so I can cover the expenses of running the building and giving that person a safe place to live. Like That's how, quote-unquote, free housing for those that really need it would work. It's not a, I just don't pay my bills. Like That's not how it's meant to work, and anyone who thinks otherwise is just completely delusional. But um, with all this said, like what made you decide to go public? Because a lot of people, I say, a lot of people just eat it. Yeah, a lot of people right. have had this happen,
2: haven't done anything. What, yeah, what inspired you to go to the point of taking it public? I think it's good that you did. Oh, 100 percent. Thank you. <laughs> only only I feel like it's only tenant news for the most part of being like, screw the landlord. Uh, and I, so I think it's really good that you finally someone on the landlord side that's getting beat up is going
0: to the news with it. Oh, yeah. And I've reached out to uh, journalists before who published things that are like so biased about a tenant. And I just reached out to them with a simple question. It's like, oh, like there's an did you article talk to the landlord. I, you know, I was just like, well, that's weird. Like, why did the landlord rip off his own door? to his own property (laughs) it seems like an odd thing to do yeah (laughs) must be a reason for it and just like i'm not saying that's right like i've never done that i wouldn't do that like no matter how extreme things got I, i just i wouldn't do that having said that you're a journalist isn't that a question you would ask like why was the door ripped off and they just wouldn't respond they flat out wouldn't respond yeah. And, uh, but anyway, so, so what made you take the decision to, to go public with this?
1: It was because I saw a lot of stories. A lot of people were responding in the private Facebook landlords group saying that they've experienced something similar. Or I saw the stories from other people who dealt with these exact squatters. And they said, and just hearing all these stories made me think, and nobody's doing anything about it? Like, I just couldn't believe that this really obvious criminal behavior was going on with no repercussions whatsoever. And I did call the police multiple times, and yeah, I tried to right. make a complaint about uh, theft and fraud and um, uh, false pretenses. I mean, they lied on their application, they faked their references. Um, I also reported that one of them gave me death threats, uh, once in July and once at the hearing in September. Oh, and uh, Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> you, you guys just that. flew over
2: that. With-
1: uh, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. Can I swear on this?
2: <laughs> yeah, if you need to, yeah. I mean, so like following the quote. form, K, and they're like, I'm not seeing you in court. They were like, slur- well, we so see you guys are fighting like over text all the time. or what? We what were basically
1: fighting over text for a while. Like at first it started off, you know, pretty uh, friendly and I was like, what's going on with the rent? Uh, yeah, do yeah. you need more time? When can you get this to me? Um, but uh, when I did end up filing the form J and that was when I served them for the hearing in September. So remember, they had told me to do the form K. Here. But I get to the form J.
0: Yeah. Um, but not the one where we pay the money. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. When I filed the form J and um, I went and I served the them, the woman came out of her apartment. So I just taped it to the door, but she, the dog was barking at the door and the woman came out of the apartment and she saw the form J attached to the door. And that's when she screamed, are you f- kidding me? Give me a break. I'm going to. F- Kill you. And I was like, I had turned and I was running down the hall at this point, but she screamed that at me and I called the police right away. And, um, I, it was basically dismissed in terms of like, oh, your back was turned and you don't know, maybe she was saying it to somebody else. Oh, and, God. Um, people say a lot of things in anger. And and so, some. Uh, I, I called a few times about this, and um, somebody told me, Well, did she say when or how she was going to kill you? Because yeah, it has to be more specific. It has to be more specific. Yep. So, like, basically, it doesn't matter apparently if somebody gives you a death threat unless they're telling you, I'm going to kill you with a candlestick in the dining room at six o'clock. Yeah. Like, similar <laughs> some situations. Someone's, like, <laughs>
0: someone's right. like, I know who you are, and I know what car you drive, and I'm going to burn this place to the ground. And they're like, Saying they know what car you drive like doesn't really—it's <laughs> an implied threat, but it's not an actual threat. I'm like, anyway. So, well, then tell me a bit about. Sorry. So you you decide to go public, and and I understand why, and, and you've got more guts than than we do because you know we just don't want the public. I encourage
2: more people uh, to go public. They, yeah. they should. Well, you know. The what, what was the process of doing that? Like, did you, I feel like a lot of people don't even know, like I've never really considered it in my head of like even touching base with the news or anything. Was it a difficult thing to get a hold of somebody that was interested in taking on the story?
1: Uh, I reached out to, well, a few people uh, told me who to reach out to. So I reached out to specific people uh, and um, got a reply a couple weeks later. And uh, the, there was a CBC reporter who was interested and, uh, she actually told me that she would love to publish more landlord stories, but a lot of landlords don't want to talk about this stuff. So yep. they tend to publish tenant stories. So people hate on CBC because they say CBC is really pro-tenant and biased towards a tenant. And maybe that's true, but I also think that from based on what the reporter was telling me, landlords are just scared to go to the media. They're scared to get hate. And I think landlords have a lot more to lose than tenants. Yeah. And so, so tenants sure. are happy to go to the media and just complain and lie and it doesn't really matter. Uh, but landlords have a reputation to try to protect. So uh, anyway, so I spoke with her because, like I said, I was surprised that this has been happening so much and I wanted to see something be done about it. And from like a political standpoint, like I made a petition about uh, seeing some change in the residential tenancy board and the way that mm-hmm. the, the act is enforced. And that. yeah, the, the media was uh, <laughs> there to kind of help progress the story.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, tell me about the Section 23 summary conviction and the $1,000 fine that you kind of unearthed in the tenancy board legislation.
1: Uh, so, yeah, I was reading through the Residential Tenancy Act because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't breaking the law because I found out that things that kind of make sense to me are apparently against the law. For example, uh, you can't turn off the utilities if somebody refuses to pay their rent, which to me makes yeah. sense. It's like, if they're not paying anything, why should I have to pay to maintain how, utilities for how them? can I pay those things? Exactly, that yeah. That was the
2: position I was in. I, was yep. like, I don't even have the money to pay these bills when I had the first place. Yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. Like my, my line of credit debt was going up. Like, why am I supposed to be paying things for people who are refusing to pay me? Yeah. Uh, but and yeah, no, that's against the law. So there are a lot of things that are against the law. So I was reading the act and trying to make sure that I'm, whatever I do, that I follow the law. Uh, and that's when I found this that says that if people are uh, breaking the act in some kind of way uh, or retaliating against someone in some kind of way, that they are subject to a fine of up to a thousand dollars. And so I thought, okay, let's pursue this. So I called the police and I said, how do I get, go about doing mm-hmm. this? And they said, oh, we don't touch residential tenancies. So I called the residential tenancy board, and they said, oh, we don't enforce that. Call the police or the or the courts. Yep. So I called the courts, and the courts had no idea what I was talking about, and. Uh, <laughs> and ultimately, it turns out there's apparently, according to the investigation CBC did, this, this
0: fine number, has yeah.
1: never been enforced.
0: Yeah. And I think it went back to like 1991. Yeah. And it's never been enforced one single time. Yeah. It's just like, you know, that What the rules of the act have been broken three million. You know that like the, uh, the, the two Spider-Mans just pointing at each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That, that is the tenancy board and the police, <laughs> because this is supposed to be something like, no, no, a summary conviction is is the law like 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 police enforced law yeah. which you know is what allows it to maybe step outside of the tenancy board and and the tenancy resolution situation like okay this is a a police issued fine potentially a conviction and a fine that could go through that uh, avenue and honestly and i can understand the police being like you know what we can't we can't spend our time resolving every tenant dispute so they wash their hands of it but this is something that should be on the radar and then of course Uh, because it does fall under their jurisdiction. The Tenancy Board has the escape of being like, well, it's not our thing. It's like, well, it's no one's thing. Yeah, it's no one's thing. So there's zero accountability whatsoever. But what's really interesting, ever since they changed all these tenancy laws, you hear a lot of landlords getting slapped with fines. Rightfully so. Very quickly. Rightfully so. They wanted to make note, yeah. You know, there was one where people lied about saying they needed to move into a unit to get occupancy when they didn't. Yeah. They got slapped with like 5 or 6000 dollar fine if i remember correctly. Wow. There was another one where someone did something wrong it was like 9 or 10 grand yeah, like I saw those. people are getting slapped like the landlords all of a sudden are getting slapped with fines you know quite quickly and yeah, this and, is and rightfully it, so.
2: It leans towards tenant rights more than mm-hmm. landlord rights because well, we have a similar thing for landlords and there's 1991 since the last one or also, if it was ever done. Also
0: like they get the money. Right? Like, I, yeah. I don't I don't know how they enforce those fines um, but they're from people who will pay them mm-hmm. and and probably feel the consequence more of of, of having to pay them in, in the sense that like if they don't pay them that affects their day to day life. Where some people are like, I don't pay anything, and it doesn't seem to their affect anything. Score, they don't, yeah, they don't so pay, quit their job. Um, it's, yeah, it's, having
1: it's, good credit is important to me. Like if I owe somebody money, I have to pay what I owe because I want to keep my good credit. But you know, people like my squatters, they don't care about their credit because it doesn't matter. Job? Exactly, they don't care about their job. They will quit their job if you try to take a penny of their money.
0: Oh my God, I love that part of the story. <laughs> that might be my favorite part of the story. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah like, and I heard nope. that that's not an isolated case. Like I've talked to their previous landlords and they're like, oh no, that is what they do. They yeah. quit their jobs every time.
0: Yeah, Well, because then they'll know, like they'll go get another job, like exactly.
1: Yeah. now.
0: Exactly. And are you going to pay the the sheriff another 200 bucks? Right, uh, like each time? Yeah. Um, Wow, you almost respect the hustle in a weird twist. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so what's the follow-up in from all this attention? Because, you, you know, yeah, you went to the media. More and today? at first I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. And then like I'm like why isn't everyone else agreeing with me? Like this is great. <laughs> um, so so what's the follow up then?
1: Yeah, well the the article that got the most attention was from the Canadian Press and that got disseminated to a lot of outlets and ended up getting really big and going across the country. Yeah. And that one got me a lot of hate. So the two CBC articles not so much, but the Canadian Press one that one was where the reporter actually said their names in the article. So that was the first time they were named and that was because the this was an, a report on the appeal which is court which is public record. Right. So there's no there's nothing wrong from a journalism standpoint of right. reporting on court but a lot of people just saw it as me doxing these squatters and oh. saying that it's kind of like when uh the bad tenant lists got all this bad Interesting. press Interesting. so yeah a lot of people hated on me for that and it was like wait i didn't i do not i do not write the article and also this was court and they they took me to court to get two weeks of free rent like
2: yeah <laughs> they also are very happy to put the landlord's name in every article that they write
1: yeah. Yeah. 100%.
2: There is no hold back on the company that owns the properties. There's no hold back. They're like, that's the company that owns it. And then we looked into the holding registry and figured out yeah. who all the directors were. And we're going to publicly shame all of them on here. So yeah. anyways, continue.
1: Yeah. So landlords can get publicly shamed and it's no big deal. But if I call out squatters who have been doing this for years, then nobody, everybody's mad at me.
2: Mm -hmm. What, uh, what forms was it? People sent, people sent you emails, texts, did you get phone calls, anything along those lines? Like was there.
1: Thankfully no phone calls, but I did get messages on like basically all my social media people, uh, saying all sorts of things. And, uh, some of the comments were absolutely ridiculous. Like Mm. some people were just hateful for the sake of being hateful, just saying like, go to hell and like uh, swearing and calling me names. And, uh, some people were just hating on the fact of being a landlord. Like, yeah. I don't think they even yes. read the article. They were just like, "You're a landlord that instantly makes you greedy and evil."
0: They must have come from our TikTok and
2: gone straight to her social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also,
0: like, it did um, the, the fact that you are a doctor um, also doesn't help the cause. seemed to, to garnish a lot of attention because one of the first comments I remember reading was, "Oh, the poor, you know, doctor can't pay her med school bills uh, by exploiting people for housing that should be human right." it's just like, man, like, so now we're demonizing doctors. Like we have no chill when it comes to being like, do not succeed. (laughs) Do not succeed. I was talking
2: about this. Like if you do anything good, they're like, yeah, screw you. Like, you're doing well and
0: we don't like it. And so we're going to demonize the shit out of you. Yeah. But that was another thing that I found people were, were really honed in on too.
1: Yeah. And I think that's because, well, people do kind of love to hate doctors because there's this perception of doctors as being the financial elite and it's like, okay, sure. Maybe someday. But right now I've got all these med school bills that I have to deal with. And, uh, it has not been a cheap journey and I don't come from money. And so it actually is, you know, really, um, ignorant when people get mad at me about, the fact that I am a doctor, like I've worked hard, like I have not been somebody who, um, you know, wastes my time um, doing all sorts of things that a lot of other people do when they enjoy their youth. Like I've spent my time studying. And yeah. it also is uh, irrelevant. It's irrelevant, it true. Irrelevant it's real- and and, and this is thing, like, even, even if
0: you don't price. agree with um, renting property, if you don't agree with the idea of being a, a landlord, whatever, people can have their own ideas. But the idea that someone could enter into a contract. Uh, where one party is paying for a service and uh, they just don't pay. Like, they just fundamentally don't pay. Like, that is, at some point, like, these um, social contracts and then actual contracts are the very foundation of our society. Yeah. And to just be like, they don't matter because uh, one person's word is worth less than another person's word. Like, your, your, your rights under this contract... Are void because you are too high in the saddle or whatever reason, or, or because you own the property. And another person has zero obligation and, and zero accountability. And like that just flies in the face of like organized society, organized democracy, whatever you want to call it. It just makes no sense that people can do things and and wrong other people and and really damage other people. And there's some excuse for it. Right? Like it, it, it's so frustrating, with regardless topic, of where you come from on like the idea of private property ownership, et cetera. I say, with this topic in particular, I don't know how the government has skirted around,
2: we've talked about this before, but the government has skirted around the ability to be like, we have nothing to do with housing. Like no one oh. turns and is like, wow, the yeah. government needs to step up and build some housing or offer some stuff. Everyone's just like, screw the landlords. It's all their fault. They're the ones that are in charge of this. Like again, I don't, that's yeah. one I don't Complete understand. How they've done such a of responsibility. job of, yeah, pushing the responsibility onto other people with this.
0: Yeah, so did this reaction surprise you? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I thought I'm the one who just got screwed here. Like I got scammed and people stole thousands of dollars from me. And it's not like that place would have been sitting empty if those people hadn't gone in there. Mm-hmm. That place would have been rented right away by all people who have been who had been yep. paying their rent, so they really did steal thousands of dollars from me, and people got mad at me because apparently they think that I probably have too much money anyway, which, like you said, it's irrelevant. I mean, it, Jeff, <laughs> if somebody steals from Jeff Bezos or steals from um, Walmart or Amazon, right? It, if they get caught stealing from these big corporations, they will get charged with theft and they will probably see jail time or a fine or something. But and if and you steal,
0: would be okay f- with that. Uh, they would be, well, yeah. It's be like, yeah like, screw them anyway. The
2: like, but like let's penalize this person. And most people would be okay for that.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But either way, like it's it's still, It would be it's enforced the concert, under the concert. law because that is the law. You yeah. st- like you you steal and then, but when you get on such a, a personal, like being a landlord, the tenant landlord relationship is very personal, especially when it you're a small scale landlord. Like you talk, like these are texts. These are humans. You're meeting face to face at their door. It is incredibly personal, and so that theft. Is super personal. Yeah. It, it, it feels very violating. I feel um, violated.
1: Like I feel personally betrayed. I trusted these people. I gave them the benefit of the doubt. And it's kind of changed my worldview. Like it's it's made me think who can I trust? And that's that's a that's a big thing is to change some to give somebody a sense of betrayal and give them sort of like a you know, it's not war PTSD, but it is traumatic to to realize that you can't trust people.
0: Also like the the social media and the the internet backlash, like is traumatic. It does have lasting effects. Like it still sticks in Google. Like I found an article that had, I think, been hacked where like the article was still the same, but they had changed the title and said Nazi landlord. I know, like, I saw that one too. I was like, mm. like
1: that's actually really offensive oh because I,
0: it's insanely offensive. It's and for people to be okay with that. Like it's it's messed.
1: Yeah. It's, messed. it's especially offensive because I did have a granduncle who actually survived the Holocaust. Um and and so it was it, it was especially offensive having that background and being labeled a Nazi. And it resonates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: it, it, like the absurdity of that and and even people doing that and making those comments also goes unchecked. And yes, I like, I've, I've joked about this many times. Like, there's only a few people that like you can't say anything about anyone these days like you have to tiptoe around everyone's feelings on every single topic but man if you want to spew hate about landlords and police officers and and like conservatives like or, or people who are you know religious like you can just say the absolute most vulgar things about them and people are like that's totally fine and it's shocking in this age of like let's try to be more considerate to one another and and not say bad things and not put that it just never ceases to amaze me what you can say uh, about people without even checking any of their story. Like no one's looked. It's at not you. even fine. They just also supported. This mm-hmm. is the thing that's like it's not like yeah we're just they just turn a blind eyes. That, people like, are like oh I'm
2: gonna like this comment or I'm gonna back it up and it fires up like a community of people to hate it and can kind of perpetuate and keep going with it.
0: Yeah and then yeah. there's you know there's there's the social media consequence and the internet but then there's also the real life consequence which is your own money. Right, like that—that—that that, mm-hmm. that is money that you probably won't get back, and that you're quite possibly paying interest on. Um, but then, also tell me about the Avalon Sexual Assault Center. If
1: you're comfortable talking about that. Yeah, sure. So I used to volunteer for a couple of years on the board of directors for Avalon Sexual Assault Center and never really had any issue with them. I enjoyed being a volunteer. And when this whole backlash started on social media, uh, they were quite concerned about the public perception because people did find out that I'm on the board and uh, there was concern that it made the board look bad or not the board, but the whole um, organization. Right. And so the the board met, and we talked about the situation, and um, and there was initially some talk about that I should. Uh, uh, do some reading on feminism and intersectionality and try to learn and grow from this. And I was totally on board with that. They wanted to make a public statement. And I said, you know, I could apologize as part of that public statement for, um, I don't know, for having, uh, I guess, wronged these tenants by naming them. Like, I don't fully agree with it, but I thought I, this is part of a growth process. I need to learn what I did wrong here. Why are people so upset? But then the 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 t- the tone changed and it seemed more like it became a victim blaming thing where um where some people on the board were really quite upset with me on a personal level uh, and they said that I doxed the tenants and this is again that misunderstanding about court being public record I didn't write the article Uh, and somebody said that I can't consider myself a victim so in one of my public statements I said something about that I felt that I had been a victim blamed um, because people were telling me what I should have done differently in this process instead of saying maybe these people shouldn't have stolen from you Um, and they said that I can't consider myself a victim because landlords are in the position of power. And when somebody is in the position of power, they cannot be the victim. So in the landlord-tenant relationship, only the tenants can be victims. And that really didn't sit right with me. And that really bothered me. But what really took the cake was that one of the uh, board members, we were talking about doing like a restorative approach where I would like apologize and I would... um, I would try to learn from this and so on. And she kind of put like a case together and said, I don't think Patricia is going to learn from this. I don't think that we should bother with a restorative approach because of this, this, and this. Like, I think that this is just how she feels. And that just took the cake because, um, last year Avalon was defrauded uh, by an employee, a former employee of tens of thousands of dollars. And the organization took a restorative approach against that person. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that person actually stole money from the organization. I didn't steal money from anybody. I, you know, spoke publicly, self-advocating about people who stole from sure. me. Yeah, And I'm the one who doesn't deserve a restorative approach. Like also, I just as the I
0: employer, like, how could Avalon be the victim in that situation? When exactly. Where took from them, right? Like, so. Yeah, exactly. And I hate this, like, they say, like, tyranny is the absence of nuance. 100% the, the landlord-tenant, there is a power dynamic there with the landlord ultimately... Um, owning the property and having that that power, but I think your case certainly underscores how um, that that power is is maybe fleeting at best and sometimes not actually existent. There's a lot of power for for the tenants as well. But having said that, to imply that every situation is a power dynamic between you know the landlord having the power and you know a disenfranchised tenant or whatever you want to say, like lacks any nuance. Like every situation is different. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't tell me that like when you literally have to run from the door while someone screams at you that like there's a power dynamic where you're in control of that situation. It's certainly like there has to be nuance and and, um, uh, a a real analysis of of each individual uh, situation. And I remember when I I read their release um, and the whole subject of victimization was at the heart of it and it sort of was implying and I don't think they used your name, but like it was clear what it was talking about Mm -hmm. um, that you were uh, perpetuating further victimization of an individual who had already been victimized in their life, um, which my point was like, well, one, I don't think she was, <laughs> like saying like, I need the money that you owe me because I need to pay for this place that you live in. I don't think that's victimizing someone. That That's me personally. But also, again, like the, the context and like what's happened in someone's past life, while it matters, while it is important, it, it doesn't completely... Uh, erase what, they did. Um, what happens, you know, in the vacuum of I need this money to pay this. And that's what you've contractually agreed to. And you are willfully like you didn't act in good faith from the outset. You are intentionally defrauding me. I don't really know that the background, um, it matters from an understanding perspective, but it doesn't matter from a responsibility perspective. Mm-hmm. Th- that's my personal opinion on that. But that's yeah. how I read that statement. It's like, oh my gosh, they're saying that, you know, she's, maliciously further victimizing someone um and i thought that was pretty harsh
1: yeah i mean i I had no intention of ever causing any harm to these tenants and to be honest they were not good applicants so i didn't need to rent to them i was giving them the benefit of the doubt and i was uh doing that out of the kindness in my heart and so it's just
2: trying to help them out
1: exactly i was trying to help out people who had a good sob story that i don't think was really true and so whether or not she was victimized in the past, I mean, I think a lot of people who commit crimes, they probably do have some kind of trauma in their life, uh, which, you know, isn't to say that you you need to commit crimes when you do have trauma. Lots of people have trauma and they don't go to, they don't turn to crime ever. Right. Uh, but a lot of people who do commit crimes, they do have some kind of hard past. So... I understand that this the the female squatter, who was really the brains of this operation, uh, I understand that she had been doing this for about 15 years. She'd been doing it long before she met the male squatter about five years ago. And so whether or not he is, whether he's victimizing her or not, whether or not she was victimized at some point in her past, she has been doing this for long enough that there is, it's time to clean up her act. And that's part of why I went to the media and I did warn them multiple times. I said, I would, I'm g- probably going to go to the media. Do you want to clean this up, get out of my property or pay and stay or something? I gave them lots of opportunities. I don't want to cause any harm to these people, but ultimately like something's got to give eventually to make people change their path in life to do a course correction. Yeah. And, um, all that background of whatever trauma she may or may not have is not really relevant to the fact of you you agreed to pay rent a certain amount uh, and you didn't pay that. And then when I tried to pursue my rights, you threatened me repeatedly for a couple of months yeah. and uh, just made my life a living hell, to be honest.
2: Again, I, I don't think it's relevant kind of what their past was, but there's also an assumption that your past is just no issue. There's nothing going on there that could be. Like there's no stress on what you've gone through to get to where you're at. Like it's only on the tenants. Okay, there now you're you're docking somebody that has this bad pass and all these issues, but like nobody speaks for you it's a, again it's the assumption that you're just uh, in a perfect place and everything's great
1: yeah right? no my life has definitely not been perfect my life yeah. has been actually very hard and harder than the average med student i would say but um but you're still not bringing i have
2: to try and get sympathy to in exactly. the situation like it's, it's again it's not relevant to exactly it's
1: place. not relevant the point is there was a contract it needed to be paid it wasn't paid and the public needs to know that there needs to be enforcement around these contracts
2: yeah. So, and I think this is a prime reason we talked about a little bit before. But why landlords don't want to come out and say anything because now you're getting backlash in a bunch of other aspects of your life, uh, and you're having to leave certain parts like different boards and things like that. Like that's insane to me that they would even start to engage that based off some news articles and they're concerned about kind of the press and the media from it. Like that. That's I, I'm just so disappointed that but they don't I, come to you and then accept yeah. your your portion of it. I understand everyone's image, but like that, again, it's just it's craziness. And I, I'm now like, as I think about it, I see a lot of people that are like, I'd be nervous about my job and the perception of my office. Oh my and, gosh. Or all these things. Those, so, like, a lot of like small landlords have full-time jobs. Yeah. They're not just sitting at home
0: counting like rent checks. like Or in all like the, jobs. the the start of their career. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, and and uh, I mean, that's a real world consequence. And um, it is that fine balance because even when I mentioned my particular to- story, it's like, okay, I'm owed this money. And, like, I am not whole and, and I have a family to provide for. And between these two, um, I guess, disputes where, like, I was entitled, I, I was awarded settlements of, of upwards of $15,000 that I knew that I would never get back. And I was in this situation of trying to say, well, you know, do I try to enforce this and, and, and like, you know, teach this person a lesson? But it's like, no, that's not my job, um, you know. But and if I pursue this, But but if I pursue this in in this direction, uh, am I then being punitive on a future version of this person, where maybe they do try to get their their life together, and then I'm coming after the fact on with some lean on their on their person? Um, but it doesn't seem like they're going to ever get to that point if they aren't held responsible for these things. Like you do weigh all of these things, um, and to, to think that it's always so. Um, you know, clear cut. It's just not. And that's the problem. Like people look at things as so binary. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, well, have I treated this person fairly? Have I given them opportunity? And, you know, in the situation, what are our obligations as adults? Like these are grown ass adults. I love using that expression. We're talking about like grown ass adults, like they've entered into an agreement who has harmed whom. And, and there's always this, like, I hate this wang of injustices that everyone wants to do where oh this injustice trumps that injustice like you know it's it it, you're you're going to get into those weeds there and you're never going to come out the other side it's like in this context what was the relationship and who wronged whom and it's so obvious that you were defrauded of thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. and on top of that you know the the Potential damage to your reputation and your mental health and, and and all of that. It's not insignificant and it's a scary thought. And to your point, yeah, it's why people don't share these stories. Uh, yeah. yeah. This is kind of an aside, but it's just thinking about it. Like,
2: it's weird how the more wrongs you do, like, you're, it, that becomes okay. And so it's almost, it doesn't incentivize you to start doing right, if that makes sense. Like, if you're somebody that does right, follows all the rules, pays all your bills, does what you're supposed to do with your career and all that, if you do a wrong, you are penalized and penalized heavily for doing it. Mm-hmm. But if you've... Done wrong your entire life, there's not really an incentive to start doing right because if you do all of those things, you will get penalized for. Right. So it's almost like you want mm-hmm. it's like this in this situation where it's like, okay, now I got penalized, I'm just gonna quit my job and I'm gonna say really mean things. And it just kind of keeps going down that path. But and and you're able to get away with it. But if you ever started to do right, you might actually have to face the harsh realities of all the things you've done wrong. Yeah. Or at that point in time, once you start yeah. doing right, if you do a wrong, you are in trouble for doing it, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It doesn't incentivize people to come out of these mindsets and lifestyles. Understanding, I know people have very different backgrounds, but I bet you a lot of people that we would say are on the side of uh, excelling or growing themselves, they also have very uh, different backgrounds that could have negative
0: impacts on their life today. Yeah, I guess, like, the ultimate end measure would be like, okay, if we're trying to see if if, if justice was, uh, you know, done, you'd think with justice there's supposed to be, like, a reformative element of it. It's like, will these people, you know, no longer do this to someone else?
1: Mm, See, that was my goal was I wanted to have this be a restorative justice approach. And I actually offered to the tenants. So the day that we had the meeting with uh, Avalon Sexual Assault Center, where uh, I got a whole bunch of backlash from the board, I actually sent an email to my squatters asking, telling them, you know, I'm sorry that I spoke to the media and your names are out there. I know that's going to make things harder for you. Uh, And I offered to forgive their debt to me if they would change their ways of of this serial rental fraud. I didn't get any reply from them. And uh a few days later I was was when the rest of the stuff with Avalon went down and I just ended up resigning because I felt like they are seeing this as too black and white. And they're saying that I'm not I wouldn't do restorative justice when I straight up apologized to these tenants. I said, I'm willing to forgive your debt, just change your ways. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get a reply. So I was done with Avalon at that point And A week later, that was when I had my hearing, the September 14th hearing, and at the end of that hearing, what the female tenant said, she said, um, you, you bitch, your days are numbered. That was a week after I offered to forgive her debt. So she never replied. She didn't say she was going to change her ways. A week later, she gave me a second death threat. So that tells me that this like restorative... It was at the end of the hearing. So it was at the end of this like 20-minute hearing, and it just... And I haven't recorded. I tried presenting it to the police and um, there is someone who is is saying that it should lead to a charge. But it is. Yeah, it is stress inducing because I don't know how serious to take it. Like sometimes I wonder, like I set up a camera in my home just in case. Um, But uh, that tells me that this restorative approach doesn't work for everyone. So this this I offered this woman apologies. I offered to forgive her debt and she threatened to kill me.
2: I was say, yeah, that is insane. That, like, that, you, know, you have to live in constant fear. You live in the same town as these people. They know who you are. Like They,
1: they know my they, address. It's on the lease.
2: It, that's the other thing. But this is one thing that also yeah, it kind of bothered me is that on the lease it's all your information is on there as well. And it's like, well, attendance tenants is, well, yeah, because they're living in my space. Um, but now they are saying things like that. They've done wrong to you before. They have a past and history of doing wrong. And now you have to consider, based on what they're saying, they could do something much worse. And so that's... Again, but then there's no, there's nothing that you can do that's really going to back it up. And like you're saying, you've been to the police so many times Mm -hmm. and they don't make any move. And I feel for you because that that is is really, really intense. I don't take lightly to that kind of thing, but. Mm -hmm. So let's just, because, you know, we're going to press front.
0: What's the latest with the property?
1: Right now. Uh, Well, I fixed up the property, cleaned it out. It was about 20 hours of just like cleaning and basic fixes and did all the stuff that needed to be done, repainted and everything, and got some new tenants in there. So the tenants in there are uh, a refugee family from Ukraine. And so that there is me having that soft heart again and taking a risk because someone who is a a refugee family they obviously have no credit credit. they do yeah they do have a job um, so and then they did pay their rent so um, (laughs) they paid their rent in the deposit for at least for the first month so we'll see yeah so we'll see what happens uh, moving forward but I I do I have a good feeling about them I do have a good vibe and I think that they're honest people Um, so the place is rented there's that happy ending there. uh, and because I did, uh, you know, I, I do want to help people. I took time out of my own life to try and help these people get set up in in this new country for them. So I gave them tours around Dartmouth, and I helped them get uh, their place fully furnished for free by um, posting in a bunch oh, wow. of different groups and helping and asking wow. friends and other people to help people me with above and beyond. Yeah, like I've gone above and beyond, and that's the kind of landlord I want to be: is a landlord yeah. who cares and has a good relationship with her tenants. Yeah. And that's who I could have been for the previous tenants. Like if yeah. they had told me. We have a really, we really are actually struggling. Let's be honest and talk about what's going on. We could have worked together on it, but that was not. They sent me a screenshot of the form K, like that was not the road we were going down.
0: (laughs) They knew what they were doing right from the start. Yeah, you know, super cool. Good friend of mine, uh, Ukrainian family, when they moved over, they I think it's either that building or one of the buildings in behind it was the first place that they lived when their family moved over here, and I guess it would have been the. Late eighties, early nineties, and like That's they've neat. built their life here, and and they're you know phenomenal success. And I think it's awesome that you're doing that because, um, you know, especially right now, that there, there's a lot of need for there's a lot of need for housing across the board. But certainly, these Ukrainian families coming over here, I think it's yeah, awesome that you're doing that.
2: So at this point now, do you think long term you're going to keep being a landlord? you intend to grow your portfolio, or what's kind of the idea? Yeah,
1: are, I do plan you know? to. I do plan to continue to be a landlord. I've just learned the hard way, the school of hard knocks, yeah. like you said, <laughs> that I need to be more uh I need to be more careful about how I screen people I need to listen to that intuition yeah. and I need to be kind of sneaky about uh, talking to references because there's no guarantee that those references are real like I, mm-hmm. like you said you know going uh, to people's actual claimed current home and talking to them there that's a good idea there's other ideas people have given me for how to make sure that you screen people in a way that you get around the little scams but I think more than that I think we just need to have the tenancy board back us up so that's yeah. part of of what I want to do moving forward is just to continue to advocate for this uh, and, and ask for things like, you know, if they want to license landlords, like that's been something that uh, there's been a lot of talk about is the desire to license landlords. Well, then let's get a tenant registry because I would like to look up an applicant and know where they actually lived according to a real legitimate uh, registry yeah. and see what the rental history has been. And it doesn't need to be a registry that's open to the public where everyone yeah. can see someone's personal information, but it's something where you can you know give access to a particular landlord that you're applying to.
0: You could also make it some degree of voluntary, right? Because a good tenants going to be like, absolutely, I want Like, I want to flex my good credit so I can be a better applicant, you know? Um, And if someone is, you know, if if they're at a certain age in their life and they've never voluntarily signed up for, you know, a tenant vetting system, whatever that may be, it's like, well, maybe that's not someone you want to rent to. And likewise, if a landlord's not proactively on a landlord registry, maybe it's a tenant. You're like, hmm, you know, I prefer my landlord be voluntary. Like, maybe there's some compromise where it's partially voluntary or something like that so that um, people don't feel forced. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, it's hard. Something, something serious has to, Yeah. And I do
1: also, I do also think that if people have to face accountability, like if they know that if they screw somebody, it's going to end up on a registry and it's going to affect them going forward. I think that'll, yeah or their credit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll make people less likely to do that. Now, when it comes to credit, you know, there are people like me who make the mistake of not doing that credit check, but if there's a registry of how many evictions somebody has had, uh, for not paying their rent, that's something that people are going to be more worried about making sure they have a good credit. They have a good rental history.
2: Did you check credit on, well, I guess you couldn't check credit on this most recent uh, land or tenant you took on. Do you have a system in place now to check your tenant's credit and all that?
1: Uh, I do. I understand that there's something like simple key. So like moving forward, uh, I would use that. that. But with like Ukrainian refugees, they're coming to Canada with no no credit. So so it's taking a risk. But one where I listen to my intuition this time.
2: How do you intend to advocate for landlord rights? Like are you planning to, I don't know if you've thought about it, but like, Facebook group or reaching out to more landlords or kind of through means like this. Or the minister of services. Minister or services. Yeah, or,
1: I know. did actually. I, I bothered the minister of service Nova Scotia a few <laughs> times. Um, and uh, I bothered, bothered my MLA and I reached out to Tim Houston. He didn't reply. Um, yeah. But uh, I understand that this is actually going to be brought up in a, uh, the, the liberals are going to table a bill at the uh, um, at the next House of Assembly. So it's going to be starting October 13th until could could be two to four weeks. It kind of varies. Uh, but they will be bringing up a bill about enforcement and residential
2: tenancies. That's so. ironic.
0: I mean, they were in power for, what, 10 years, yeah. and they didn't do anything about it. But now, well, like... the other housing know.
2: bill. Remember the other housing bill last year? But it was it didn't benefit oh, yeah, in yeah. any shape or form. It was just more the opposite.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice that the opposition critics, you know, critique it, but we need like the actual government in power to do something about this. Because the thing I always stress to people is it's for the good of both sides. It is, it yeah. It really, really is because, you know, uh, it, like those people took an apartment that could have gone to someone else who really needed it. Yeah. Right? And so there's other victims out there that we don't even know who they are in the sense that they needed a place to stay for those months of June, July, August, and they didn't get it because these fraudsters did.
2: Mm-hmm. And this rent right? like, is also
0: something that all the other tenants end up paying for. Mm-hmm. Like one we the other, is, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, the rent yeah. does go up. Rent My rent up did go up, yeah. Board, right, and when you yeah. take even on big landlords, like they're like, yeah, we have to have our rents three percent higher because we have bad debts with X number of tenants. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so, is there anything that I mean? I think, I think there's tons for for landlords to take from this. Uh, from your experience and just hearing the story. And we've gone kind of longer than we ever expected because I just think there's so much here to unpack. Bolt your appliances to the ground. Bolt your appliances <laughs> to the <ground>. <laughs> nice
1: They step. didn't take my appliances, but I actually warned them many times. I said, I took pictures of those serial numbers. You take those appliances, I'm reporting that <laughs> <out> theft. So,
0: <laughs> going to all the used appliance stores and every pawn shop. <laughs> there. Yeah, <laughs> there's like three around the, in like within a 20 minute walk to that place. But, um, so, what do you think um, you would like the public and maybe any other? you know even even other tenants are there like what what do you want them to take away from your story or or to know if there's one thing you could put out there that maybe hasn't been covered so far
1: I think that people need to understand that landlords are just people and we are small business owners and and this does hurt us on a personal level, uh, like this really impacted my life and it, it ruined my summer. And it wasn't just about, Oh, these people didn't pay their rent. It was about everything that went into it. It was, uh, it was the, the back and forth fighting. It was the, the, the death threats and it was the sense of betrayal and feeling like such a schmuck. And it was, um, the the whole ordeal took a lot out of me. Uh, and I went into this with a good heart and now I'm jaded. And so if people face a jaded landlord or if they face rents that are too high, they need to ask themselves what happened previously to lead to that. And why are we supporting the people who are making landlords jaded? Like, like you guys said, you both had good hearts going into it too. And you started to get jaded over time because that's, that's what the system does. And, uh, And we need to to have more people standing up for the landlords, and I'd like to see more landlords sharing their stories publicly yeah. so i've heard a lot of private stories from landlords yeah but it needs to be out in the news more and more
0: yeah and we, we try to cover a couple of them and i brought this one up a couple of times because for the past 18 months everyone's just been you know a tenant can do no wrong and a landlord can do no right and it seems like just yesterday there was the poor young family that was being defrauded in Cole harbor by a serial fraudster who mm-hmm. not only stole rent but stole their identity racked up bad debt mm-hmm. and had been charged multiple times for fraud. And everyone, and they're also a small business owner in the community, and everyone rallied to this landlord at the time mm-hmm. because, similar to your situation, it was egregiously wrong, mm-hmm. right? There was no gray area. Um, this person had maliciously done this. And man, over the last two years, that public sentiment has just done a complete 180. Mm-hmm. Um, like, did you, had you known about that story prior to, Your whole situation?
1: No, I actually read about Jason Selby's story back in uh, July. Some landlords in the landlord groups told me about it. And so I looked him up and I thought, this is really similar to my story. And so that's actually kind of part of what inspired me to go to the media is I thought I need to talk about the fact that this is still happening. Because back then, uh, there was some stuff in the media where the Minister of Service, Nova Scotia, said, we're going to work on closing these loopholes so this doesn't happen. And I thought, well, (laughs) it hasn't closed. Here I am experiencing the same thing, hearing stories from other people that this is happening a lot and so I thought I'd go to the media and and put more pressure on the government through the media to do something because two years later nothing's changed and I got a whole bunch of hate and I have to wonder if there's Like, I think that the public sentiment has changed partly because maybe the housing crisis has gotten worse. But also, I think there is maybe a level of sexism there where a female landlord is supposed to be, uh, as a woman, I guess, we're just supposed to take it sometimes with anything bad that happens to us to a level that um, is just unfair because... you know, if, if Jason Selby wants to get these squatters out of his home, if he wants to rally people to help him move the, the things out of his home, he gets support for that. If I even consider that, people are like, oh, she's so evil, just for even considering things like turning off utilities. I, I think or, there's
0: another dynamic, too, where, again, like, you are a doctor and, you know, your um, they're a, a young family who I think ran some sort of small business in the neighborhood like that is people react differently to that. That's Um, true. And then there's also the dynamic of, uh, you know, male tenant versus female tenant. Like there's all kinds of things working and public sentiment. So, but I I thought those stories were, Interestingly, parallel and the reaction to them could not have been more different. But yeah, um,
1: yeah. When a male tenant defrauds a male landlord, then people want to support the male landlord. When a female tenant defrauds a female landlord, even though I'm a female and I'm you know trying to succeed in a male-dominated industry, uh, there's this. Oh, but the the poor female tenant. What hard hardship has she mm-hmm. had through her life? What about the female landlord who has succeeded in life and what has she? Why is she having to be taken advantage of just because somebody? Else may have, uh, may or may not have had a hard pass too.
2: Yeah, I yeah. think on a personal level, the tenants definitely probably felt more empowered to be rude and outright, like insane with you. Like honestly, and like, just to say things that are completely offside. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think they're feeling more comfortable too. Yeah, a lot of people and, and be, totally. yeah. be offside. Like For that sure. was insane. I don't. I can't imagine. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, no. but- well, listen, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. I think it's a really important story. I'm sure. There are some people who are gonna li- not like this topic of conversation, and yeah. not yeah. like um, how this conversation went, and they'll probably listen to th- three seconds of it and then comment something terrible down below. Yeah. Uh, but like, follow, subscribe. Um, hate comment, subscribe. Hate comment, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I hate
1: comment, and I hate you is still a view. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, exactly.
0: so uh, but again, yeah, really right. do appreciate. it. I, I think yeah. it's really commendable what you did and, and um, advocating for it because ultimately. You're advocating for Neil and I as well when, when you do these things and yeah. something needs to change. And likewise, you know, we're, we believe in holding landlords accountable when they do the wrong thing and, and stuff needs to change there. It all comes down to a more effective tenancy board, period. End of statement. That's what everyone needs. Um, so thanks so yeah. much again. Thanks for coming Thank on. You. really
2: respect you for doing this. This is, And again, I feel for you so much for the fact that they've attacked you in
0: that level. So anyways, I just want to say that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a rating and send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Master Keys Podcast. See you next week.